0: Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien.
1: Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association coming to you live from central Pennsylvania in the Quandel Studio. Joined as always on the left side of the state, by fellow co-host chris martin hello chris what's going on hello john and uh, it's good to see you and hear you
0: uh everyone my name is chris martin and i am the president of atlas marketing and you can check us out at atlasstories.com and i encourage you to and um And I am, uh, just like John, is coming at you from the Quandel Studios, I myself am coming to you from the Stalwart Insurance Group Studios in downtown Sewickley, Pennsylvania. So thank you for joining us. And we have uh, a minor celebrity with us today, I think, in the uh, construction economic forecasting world. Uh, Dr. Anabon Basu has joined us, and he is the chairman and CEO of Sage Policy Group, Um, You can read more of his background in our job, or in the, not the job description, but the project, uh, the episode description, if I get it right. And uh, I can tell you that Dr. Basu has um, some very impressive credentials. So Dr. Basu, thank you for joining us, welcome.
2: Privilege. thank you for having me. Great to have you. Can't wait so, to hear.
1: Uh, hear the good, we want good news only, though. <laughs> I do that.
2: There's enough data yeah. to support any of you would like to support. Awesome.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, don't have to twist his arm, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um,
0: well, I, you know, one of the things that uh, – why don't we just dive into this? Because I know um, Tracy has set us up here. Tracy Sterla, our producer, has set us up with some great information on Dr. Basu. But, but mainly um, – let's just dive into it what do you see and what does sage policy group see as the forecast for the construction industry in 2022
2: well it depends upon the segment of course so there are certain segments that will be red hot data center construction fulfillment center construction and of course public construction Joe Biden our president signed an infrastructure bill on December 15th Uh, also on March 11th of last year he signed the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 that offered $350 billion in direct financial aid to state and local governments. So between that bill, that stimulus bill, and the infrastructure bill, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which, again, he signed in December, lots of money flowing to state and local governments, including money to be directed toward infrastructure. So public work will be, I think, quite spectacular by the end of the year in terms of volume. There are certain segments that are going to be really, really challenging. Uh, New office construction. Uh, you know, When you speak to commercial real estate brokers, they might say, you know, this remote work is not such a big deal. Well, I think they might be a bit biased. I think it's a big deal. You know, a recent survey indicated that 68% of American workers would prefer to work from home. They prefer remote work, 68%. And so that cannot be good for the office, Mark. In fact, you have seen that it's been very difficult for employers, large and medium in particular, to bring employees back uh, to the office. And I don't think that that changes necessarily even once we go post-pandemic. Second, the hotel segment, I think, will be very challenging, especially those hotels that cater to business travelers for obvious reasons. And then finally, we suffered a lot of retail bankruptcy during this pandemic. So JCPenney, Crew, Neiman Marcus, Francesca's True Religion, uh, One Imports have all gone bankrupt. Uh, that leaves in their wake lots of vacant retail space. So new retail construction will also be quite challenging.
1: Yeah, every... Uh every time we flip the calendar and go to a new year we always uh, survey the kca members and keep it nice and brief just a couple of simple questions you know how do you how do you foresee the upcoming year and you know do you expect to hire more people or less people same staff and when it came to how do they how do they see the upcoming year 78 percent of construction companies said that they see a stronger market in 2022. With 21 of them saying drastically stronger, so they're really looking forward to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like like you said, public construction, but they also touched a lot on uh, healthcare construction and senior living, and and do you see those kind of strong too, as far as those markets, healthcare and, and senior living? Yeah,
2: I'm not so sure, about senior living. I mean, we had a pandemic that walloped nursing homes, uh, assisted living centers, of course, uh, created lots of uncertainty among pers- uh, prospective residents in those kinds of facilities, so. I, I think that actually, um, you know, when I think about, uh, for instance, single-family homes in communities that are uh, active adult, meaning 55 plus, I think that's going to be a very active market. I think the multifamily segment overall will be quite active because apartment rents are rising and that's, that's good for pro formas uh, of new projects. And so that makes sense to me. But, you know, I would think that in certain contexts, certainly on the east and west coast of the United States, where there is a lot of debt in nursing homes and sort of senior living settings generally that a lot of seniors have made up their mind saying, I want to age at home uh, come hell or high water. Uh, And if I have to retrofit this home, and of course their homes have gained value, and so they have an opportunity to leverage that increase in equity into putting more money into their homes to make them more livable as they age in place. I just think that uh, senior living will not be one of the strongest segments in construction. Obviously, there are going to be examples of senior living construction, but I just don't think that that's poised to be among the strongest segments. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> yeah,
1: yeah. Another common common statement I heard was uh, the opportunities exist. You know, the, the projects are there, ready to be built and ready to be bid and awarded. It's just workforce is just holding us back. We, we can only go as far as, as the workforce. So are you seeing yeah, that? Yes, so and that's well? not
2: unique to construction, right? We have a shortage of 80,000 truck drivers in this country, retailers, hotel operators, restaurateurs can't staff up fully. You know, we have, depending upon the data source you look at, between 10.6 million and 12 million available unfilled jobs in this country. We only have about 70 unemployed people in this country for every 100 job openings. And so employers are having a devil of a time finding workforce, but for construction, it's even worse. Why? Because construction or contractors have also faced significant materials price increase over the past year. Steel, aluminum, copper, concrete slab, gypsum, Uh, Softwood lumber has bounced back in price recently after declining last summer. So um, you put all that together, when project owners put projects out for bid, these bids are coming in at very high levels, lofty levels. And then, of course, the timeline of construction is extended because of these labor force shortages. And so a lot of project owners are saying, I'm not going forward with this project right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I may not cancel it, but I'm not going to move forward right now. And that's really what's constraining construction spending in America.
0: Just those statistics alone that you just shared with us, Dr. Basu, is, is a little bit, you know, it's tough to get your head around it. And we've all read so many things about, you know, the supply chain and labor labor shortage. Do you see from your perspective an actual end? Like, is there a, a specific, you know, like quarter four, quarter two of 2023 that, that all of these things will start to come back to some normalcy?
2: I think materials prices will start to come back to normalcy at some point this year. So we economists like to say things like the cure for high prices is high prices. So when prices are high, whether for steel, aluminum, copper, whatever it happens to be, that is an inducement for suppliers to expand output by, for instance, adding shifts or ultimately by expanding capacity. Uh, And it takes a while for that capacity to hit the ground and start running. But the point is, eventually that increase in quantity supplied helps bring down price. And of course, one of the reasons that we've had these price increases are these rampant global supply chain disruptions and just the Omicron variant now circling through the global economy and, and shutting down certain operations. So it's not going to be in the very near term. But sometime later this year, I could see some relief in materials prices. Here's the thing. The labor shortage is structural in nature. It's not cyclical. Now, there are times when we have surplus labor, for instance, during and after the Great Recession, when construction just died uh, as an industry, effectively, certainly private construction. But uh, for, the, for the most part, we just don't have enough construction workers in this country. Immigration has slowed since 2017. I looked at 2018 data recently from the American Community Survey, and it suggests that about 46% of all roofers in this country are immigrants. Uh, and so when you have slower immigration, uh, you don't have as much formation of construction workforce. And of course, during the early stages of the pandemic, lots of baby boomers often our finest construction workers, because they went to shop class and they loved construction from an early age, have that experience and, uh, and the passion, uh, they, they, they retired. Uh, about one and a half a million baby boomers retired earlier than anticipated, even that they anticipated uh, during the early stages of the pandemic. And so we just don't have the construction workforce into the long term. So contracts are gonna be dealing with these labor shortages for years, including by purchasing more equipment that bolsters productivity and allows them to do more with fewer workers.
0: You mentioned the the retirement, uh, and and that is a big thing. I know that we've talked about that a lot with with our clients, not only current and and in the past. But what do you see the impact? You know, what's the long-range impact um, on the workforce economically as a result of that retirement gap?
2: Well, we are more dependent upon younger generations to fill available job openings. But from a cultural perspective, at least in the United States, a lot of young people have not uh, viewed construction as a pathway into the middle class. They haven't even looked or thought about construction, as it turns out. They're in this situation of high-stakes testing. They were taught in high school, you've got to pass these tests, these assessments to graduate, and then you probably want to go to a four-year college if you can get there. That's sort of the notion. They don't have shop class anymore. A lot of the baby boomers in our society benefited from shop class, often taught by someone with enormous arms, wearing a Rush T-shirt and driving a Trans Am, but that that kind of person has been taken out of the curriculum. Uh, And so these young people don't have exposure to working with heavy equipment in high school. They don't know the joy of that, of working with their hands and mind at the same time. And so, again, manufacturing faces something very similar, the shortage of machinists and welders and so on and so forth. It, this is structural uh, and I don't think it goes away unless the economy gets really bad at some point in the future. I think we'll be dealing with these labor shortages for quite some time. And so that's one of the effects of this elevated retirement. You depend upon younger generations. So as an industry, construction better turn to those um, up and comers, those people in high school and in two year colleges and say, look, construction offers multiple pathways into the middle class, allows you perhaps to be an entrepreneur start your own mechanical contracting firm your own painting shop, whatever it happens to be, take a look. And we can help you find where you can receive the requisite training.
1: Absolutely. Well, as, as you know, we're the Building PA podcast. So we're, we're based in Pennsylvania. And it seems like you can't go a day or two without legislators or uh, chambers talking about the the bad business climate in Pennsylvania. We rank 46th in this and 47th in that. and And then it always follows with well, this is what happens in Texas and Florida, and, and they compare us with these other states. Do you have, do you have kind of a thoughts on that as far as different business climates around, around the country? And- uh,
2: yes, of course. Yeah. We in the mid Atlantic region suffer some of the worst business climates in the country, as it turns out. So, you know, I'm from Maryland. I mean, I, I know something about poor business climates. I mean, we get hammered by the Virginians. Virginia is often ranked as having the best business climate in the country. I mean, when Amazon chose its HQ2 in 2018, they chose Arlington and Virginia. That wasn't accidental. That's because Virginia has game. The number one state in the country, according to Site Selection Magazine, in terms of attracting new businesses that invest significant money into that state, is North Carolina. You know, So Pennsylvania and Maryland just happen to be in a really tough division um, yeah. uh, from an economic development standpoint. So we've got to get more game, and that means corporate tax reform. That means regulatory reforms, so on and so forth. But of course, politically, that is challenging. You know, whether Pennsylvania, because of uh, you have a particular governor, Governor Wolf, as it turns out, we have issues in the legislature with some of the, uh, well, some of the folks in the legislature. I don't want to say more than that. But the point is, it's hard to pass pro business legislation, and it's quite easy to pass anti enterprise legislation, meaning legislation that makes doing business more difficult and more expensive. Now, it's a very competitive 21st century economy. So when state government or Commonwealth government does things that make business more expensive or less competitive, it's damaging. Uh, and I think in some cases, some some legislators believe that business is the enemy, mm-hmm. that the reason that we have the problems that we have in our society is because business is selfish. <laughs> but business operates in a really competitive environment, and in construction, for instance, often low bid wins. So you know, obviously, you've got to pay attention to things like wages and benefits, so on and so forth. That's the nature. And at the end of the day the purchaser of construction services saves money because of that competition so in any case gosh uh the mid-atlantic region is one of the slowest growing regions of the country economically and a lot of that has to do with their business climate
0: dr basu uh, that seemed like a you got pretty excited there about that topic uh, <laughs> it, it, which is kind of nice because i know john as uh, as the executive director for the keystone contractors association is really pushing to, to eliminate the separations act in Pennsylvania, uh, and um, so it, it's it's nice to have people that that are thinking the same way and, and directing um, some opportunities that we could improve uh, not only in Maryland but also in Pennsylvania. So yeah, yeah. It, it, definitely uh, it, talking to the right group that's for sure.
2: Yes.
0: Um, it, it, let me let me ask you this, Dr. I are, are there Are there certain elements of the construction industry that you see in the future are going to be able to have a bigger impact? And by that, I mean, I'm not talking about like um, like like actual like you mentioned, senior living before versus healthcare or, or commercial and public work or anything like that. But like specialty contractors versus general contractors, those type of things.
2: Well, I think many specialty trade contractors will be extraordinarily busy, because one of the things that's happening is that real estate is changing. Uh, And so, for instance, a lot of firms are not um, renewing their leases. They're free agents. They're going to move to a different space. They might move from class A to class B. They might move from larger space to smaller space, but they're on the move. And so there's an opportunity here for building owners to reposition their properties to try to attract some of these free agents, uh, these moving electrons. Uh, And so that means perhaps improving the HVAC system, improving the character and quality of shared open space, public restrooms, that kind of thing. And so I think modification of existing structures will be one of the big sources of business going forward. And of course, that often implicates the capacities and services of specialty trade contractors. Um, General contractors, of course, I mean, again, those specialized on public work, data centers, fulfillment centers, healthcare. Yes, I think that's another winner. Um, we'll also probably find uh, fertile ground there in terms of being able to bid on work and secure new work. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's, it, the demand for construction services is high. The problem is the supply side: not enough workers, materials prices too high, equipment uh, in short supply. Often, uh, you know, that, those delivery times are uh, uh, are extended. So it, that's the problem. And so I, I suspect that these issues will get better on the supply side throughout 2022 and in 2023. And the demand will still be there for construction services. So I think there's a reason why contractors generally have an upbeat assessment about their near-term future.
1: And then what, what are your thoughts on the uh, upcoming midterm elections? And what, what role do you see that playing on the, on the economy?
2: Yeah, I think in terms of getting big things done, the Biden administration is basically done. Uh, it gives me no joy to say that. I, I, I try to be very impartial, nonpartisan. I just want the economy to do well. I want our middle class to be as large as possible. And I want us to stay the number one economy in the world. Um, which means that we have to compete effectively against the Chinese in particular, but um, uh, you know it, it seems to me that with all these inflation issues with the where we are in terms of consumer sentiment, which is at rock bottom levels right now, basically a pandemic lows in terms of consumer sentiment in this country, that uh, a lot of incumbents will be voted out that that makes it more likely the Democrats will lose their majority um, uh, at least in the Senate, uh, probably in the house too. so uh, you know we shall see I mean Uh, There's a lot of Republicans running for re-election in the Senate this year, as it turns out. So maybe the Democrats will enter the Senate, but at the end of the day, you don't have enough consensus in Congress to allow the president to get anything significant done. And so I think the major legislation coming out of the Biden administration, you know, infrastructure and the stimulus package signed by him on March 11th of last year. That's pretty much it.
0: Well, that's an interesting take. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, the, uh, the aspect of uh, and admittedly on, on the Building PA podcast, we don't we don't really we try to stay away from politics. But I think that was a very, very um, important question to ask. So please, mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything negative there. But do you, where does where do you see the economy going even outside of construction, like in a positive way, a negative way or, you know, over the next three to four years?
2: Well, I think 2022 will be a good year for the economy. I, you know, I've been telling people I think it'll grow three to four uh, percent. There are some economists out there who think it'll grow more than five percent. I just don't see that because um, we just don't have this, the labor force to support that. You know, well, I think we'll just continue to have these shortages, and restaurants will have a tough time staffing up over the course of the year. And again, part of that is because of slower immigration. Part of that's because of softer birth rates in recent decades in America, but. You know, if you think about the boom, the economic booms of the '80s and '90s, those are preceded by rapid growth in American population, particularly in metropolitan areas. So metropolitan area population surged in America in the 1980s. that set the stage for that commercial real estate boom that we saw in the 1980s, and then demographics remained strong into the 1990s, and that set the stage for the tech rally of the 1990s. Demographics have not been as strong in America in recent years. Again, slower immigration is one of the reasons for that. So in any case um, I think beyond this year, you'll see you know, softer economic growth, and it would not surprise me if, they, if we have at least one other recession at some point this decade. So years like 2026, 2027 could be quite challenging for the US economy. We shall see. But um, you know we've stimulated this economy. We've got a national debt of around $30 trillion. So we're constrained in terms of how much further we can stimulate this economy. One of the things we haven't talked about yet is monetary policy. We know the interest rates are headed higher this year. Uh, and while that may not have immediate impact on the economy, at some point in 2023, 2024, uh, higher cost of capital affects economic activity.
1: So let's what? let's fast forward a little bit here. Let's let's flip the calendar to, to 2023, and when we look back at this year, what do you think is going to be the big e- economic story people were talking about?
2: a few things. I think. I mean, one of the things that we know is that asset prices are quite high, so the stock market has rallied coming into this year. The, that you know, steel, aluminum, copper, other commodity prices are quite high. Oil has been trading above $80 a barrel in North America recently. And I think you could see some give back in some of those prices. Uh, some of those prices have been elevated by the pandemic, as it turns out, uh, shifts in the economy, but also this flood of liquidity from the Federal Reserve just massively expanding its balance sheet to $9 trillion before the global financial crisis. Of 2008, 2009, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet was around 800 billion dollars in size. Now it's about nine trillion dollars in size. So they, over the course of time, have pumped in a lot of money into the economy. That's both boosted prices. It's one of the reasons we have so much inflation in the economy right now. Consumer inflation running at seven percent, uh, producer inflation running at nearly 10 percent. But, uh, uh, but, but they they're they're committed to not growing that balance sheet much further. So. As I say, uh, you know, by the middle part of this current decade, I think you'll see softer economic growth in America because of monetary policy, because of demographics that are not particularly strong. And we'll see what happens with issues like trade wars and some other issues that dominated headlines before the pandemic.
0: Well, Dr. Basu, I, I, I will say thank you for joining us mm-hmm. today. This has been enlightening, to say the least. Yes. Um, and, and I think uh, you held true to what you said. You're going to give us some good news. So, so thank yes. you for that. And uh, look forward to having you on again.
2: Yeah, thank pleasure, you. privilege. Good luck with everything. Have a great 2022, uh, including for all the members of the Pennsylvania uh, you know, construction segment. And uh, let's improve our built environment. Let's expand our middle class and uh, let's have a higher quality of life. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.